I tried so hard to be in like the regimented ritual of like, I'm going to do these journal prompts. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing to start and end every day. But for me, I had to simplify it. And for me, I just always defaulted back to, am I living as an embodiment of what I'm teaching? I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. I always say I'm just a girl from Ohio with really big dreams. And now I work from home running a dream business that helps you achieve your goals and create more joy in your life. This podcast is all about all the topics that really matter to you. And it's about giving you everything you need in one place. Mindset, relationships, wellness, lifestyle, money, business, and career. We have it all. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 250, How to Make a Complete 180 in Your Life with Taylor Slango. So today's episode is a really juicy one, and it's perfect for you if you find yourself in a career or position that no longer lights you up and you know you want to make a change. Or maybe you want to move to another country or completely throw everything you've done up until this point out the window. (laughs) Either way, today's episode is about giving yourself permission to do just that and to learn to slow down in the process process. Of course, it's natural to want to speed up. You want to get results. You want to see things transform. But today's guest talks about taking things step by step and trusting the process. Let's dive in. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Taylor. I'm excited to have you here and learn more about your story. And of course, have you share all of your wisdom with our audience. So excited to be here. So as with every success story and every journey and and really every person, of course, we all have a backstory and there's a story behind the success. So take us back. Let us know where it all began and how you got to this point. Yeah, I I love telling this story, honestly. So we're going to take it back to like 2017. I was in a nine to five, freshly out of college. I had my degree in criminal justice and I landed a great entry level job. All the stars seemingly aligned, but I was so miserable. So I lasted about three months in that nine to five fresh graduate before I was like, I'm completely changing paths. And I don't know what that looks like yet, but I know that I cannot spend the the rest of my career in an environment like this. So from there, it was a lot of odd jobs. I was like a personal trainer. I was restoring furniture. I was doing some social media marketing. I was really like leaning into how do I work from home? But we were in like financial treacherous waters. We had trips that we were trying to pay for. We had just gotten married. I had no stable income. We were living at home. It was just a mess. Like parents helping us with groceries. We needed some stability. So I had applied for a work from home position in paid marketing, Facebook ads, Instagram ads. And before that, I wasn't super exposed to the online coaching industry. So this is where I started to dip my toes into the water, playing with really big launches and really big ad budgets. And I found myself totally unqualified for the position, if I'm being honest, but my resiliency to figure it out and learn was there. So I got the job, ended up finding I have a really natural knack for marketing and messaging and sales and strategy. And that eventually, like long story short, 
turned into my own coaching practice. So amazing. So I'm curious to know when you got that entry-level position, what was it that was making you feel miserable? What did you not like? Well, I worked in a building with no windows and I know that's not true for every job, but just the environment to me, like not having freedom over where I'm working and just the structure of like, you have to fit in your eight hours. You have to take a lunch. Like I was always asking management, can I just skip my lunch and go home early? And the rules you had to play by to succeed just did not make any sense to me. And so as you were doing the odd jobs, what sort of brought your attention to the Facebook ad side of things in the online marketing space? How did you even know about that job opportunity? Yeah, I was dabbling in social media for a little while, helping some different brands with just like more, you know, captions and basic stuff like that. And the biggest thing that piqued my interest was the ability to be creative because I've always been a creative and I was really my my biggest ask at that season in my life was I was looking for something that I could grow into that would allow me to work from home. So I probably would have taken anything that checked those two boxes. Yeah, and you were living at your parents' house at the time? Living with mom and dad, freshly married, in debt up to my ears. I was like this is definitely, you know, not how I want to kick off our life together. Yeah. So there's obviously a big difference between working in marketing, you know, potentially for another agency or company, and then starting your own company. So walk us through that process, how you made that decision, some of the ups and downs. Just take us back to that point. Yeah. I mean, I found myself in a position where I was like, tooting my own horn, I guess. Like I bring a lot of value to this position. This is something that that I'm gifted in. But coincidentally enough, my natural instinct wasn't let me teach people marketing because I really wanted to be immersed in that career for a little while and, and find that mastery. But what I did know a lot about at the time was like the mindset and the manifestation and the energetic principles that go into success. My mom had introduced me and my brother to The Secret. If you guys have heard of The Secret, we were listening to that at like nine years old. And so I started to talk about like the energetics of success and the belief systems. And I started a life coaching business before I fully transitioned into being a business mentor. And so how was that experience for you when you started your own business? I mean, did you keep the other job on the side until you grew this to a certain position? Yeah, it was it was remarkable honestly. Like I was planning my first launch. I launched a $500 online course. I had little to no audience. I obviously knew how to market and leverage ads and I'm launch planning and I just remember the moment I looked at my husband and and this was all new to both of us. I had not, you know, proven myself yet, but I said, "I'm going to make $10,000 and I just know it." And my very first launch was 2 months into my business and I did a $10,000 launch and it just kept growing like wildfire and by the end of the first year, I was giving my 2 weeks notice to my job and never looked back from that point. So that was at the end of 2019, I had left and went full-time in my business. Amazing. And so the whole launch was pretty much leveraged on Facebook ads and it was to a mostly cold audience? All cold audience. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And what was the course? It was called Laws of Life. And I was teaching on the different universal laws. It was like a heavy spirituality program. And I did um, 
a five-day challenge and people, they just loved it. And it felt so natural to me. So I started to realize as I worked with clients and continued to launch and did some more like one-on-one coaching, although they were attracted to me because of my energy, the conversation behind the scenes was always, how do I make more money? How do I get my business off the ground? How do I turn up my magnetism? And it just made so much sense to blend the two together, which is where Aligned and Ambitious, the brand I founded, really was stemmed from taking the energetic, the alignment and the strategy and the sales and merging those two things together. Totally. So I definitely resonate with your story and the work that you do in the world. I'm kind of at a different position where I feel like I've come full circle with I Heart My Life and we're actually morphing it back into what I believe it was always meant to be, which is more around the personal development and professional development side of things, but definitely not just for entrepreneurs. And so I'm curious to know, and this might be a little bit of a hard question, But when you found that more people were coming to you and asking business questions or how do I make money questions, did you feel in your gut like that was the right next step? Or, you know, what was that feeling for you when things started to transition? It was almost like finally, like them seeking that that mentorship from me was a validation and a permission to go all in on the business side of things. Like I said, I was was so new at all of this and I really wanted to be in that job and learn all of the bits and pieces and make sure I could walk the walk and talk the talk. And I was in full integrity up and down before saying, I can help you grow your business. And as soon as that started to come to life, my business went from like four or five, 6K months to 12, 15, 20K months within like two months of each other. So awesome. Yeah. Cause I think it's really interesting because I feel like sometimes life does it for you. For sure. There's also, <laughs> there's also another side of it where it's like, actually, even though this is easy, this is not what I want to do. And that's my story. So I, I respect the fact that life did it for you and it was aligned. But for me, mm. you know, for a while it was what I wanted to do, but it, it ultimately was not the reason why I started my company. And so I had to kind of go back to the origin and be, I guess, just brave about the fact that there were certain things I wanted to let go of. So I heart my life could be what it was always born to be. Mm, I feel like so many business owners find themselves in that position, even, you know, if they did have passion for it, sometimes an evolution is just necessary. Yeah, for sure. So you founded that in 2019. Obviously, we know the online space is ever-changing. So can you share with us some of your top tips for people who are putting themselves out there in their own business, getting into the marketing space, launching? What are some of the things that they need to think about? The first thing, and it's so so basic and so cliche, but there's so much value in reiterating it, is making sure that you're in it for the marathon and not the sprint. I really value sustainability, and I think there's a lot of trends and one-hit wonders. So for someone just starting out, like think about your first five years rather than your first five months or your first five weeks and really be committed to falling down quickly so you can get back up and figure it out and get even better, become even more optimized in what you're doing, become a you know even more masterful at your craft. So that's the first thing, just like having patience and respect for the entire process. I think a lot of people undervalue that in the beginning of their journey. I know I did. I was like, I just want quick cash, fast results. I want to hit the ground running. And I did, but there was more to it behind the scenes that we needed to sustain the growth, you know? 
Yeah. So I'd love, I was about to interrupt you because I have the same story where things happen very quickly. And yet I always tell people like, be patient. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And sometimes it sounds yeah. contradictory because they're like, well, you did it quickly. So what, what did we not see that was happening behind the scenes that really causes you to give people that advice? Yeah. I mean, in marketing, especially something about the industry itself is it's just always evolving. And so I think when you get really quick results, there's almost like a complacency that comes along with it. Like, okay, you know, don't fix what's not broken. This is the way it can be. We can just put it on autopilot, rinse and repeat it. And I find that when you fall into that mindset, especially in the beginning, it's just a short fuse because you're required to evolve as a leader, as a thought leader, as a mentor, as a facilitator of transformation. So I think, you know, behind the scenes, there was a lot of personal development to be done. There was a lot of like, you know, hitting my upper limits and can I really do this and raising my prices. And it was like flexing this muscle constantly to remind myself who I am and how I got here and also how I continue to grow in this direction. And how did you do that tangibly? Because I know everyone has their own practices and methodology. What did that look like for you? I tried so hard to be in like the regimented ritual of like, I'm going to do these journal prompts. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing to start and end every day. But for me, I had to simplify it. And for me, I just always defaulted back to, am I living as an embodiment of what I'm teaching? If I'm telling people, you know, like you need to create white space and movement creates momentum and you need to move your body and feel your body and feel your mind. Am I doing those things behind the scenes? And a lot of the times when I was feeling shitty or there was like a creative block or the results weren't there, it was because something was out of alignment just in my personal life. I wasn't drinking enough water. I wasn't exercising. I was watching more Netflix than, you know, listening to things that fed my mind well. So I always go back to just an internal gut check of what I'm asking of other people. Am I leading the way myself? And am I showing up for myself fully in that way? Yeah. I love that. I always ask myself, you know, if I was my own coach, what would I tell myself in this moment? And Mm. most likely it's, you know, some of the things that you mentioned. And it's so interesting that we don't always get this in the beginning, but when we take better care of ourselves, that's when success actually happens in a, you know, a stronger and more uh, quicker way. So I love that reminder. When you talk to other people about their businesses, let's get back to that conversation. What else do you tell them besides the fact that this is essentially a marathon, not a sprint? Yeah. The other thing, and like, we're so conditioned as an industry to think there's like a template, a formula, a one, two, three, whatever to produce the results you want. And I have found every time that me or my clients try to fit into the formula, you end up blending in, even though that's not the intention. I was actually just listening to a podcast and, um, this guy was saying like, you know, there's a sea of cats and they're all green. And so, you know, we try to be like, okay, well, how do we become an orange cat in a sea of green cats? But the better question to ask is like, how do you become a purple bulldog? Like something that is so unicorn-esque, different from the industry, everyone's going right, you're going left. And I think to actually implement that, that comes with not filtering yourself. When you're sitting down to write content or to go live, you don't need to follow a bullet-pointed system. You don't need to fall into a category or a niche. It's really about like creating your own space and your own 
proprietary really methodologies on whatever it is that you're teaching. That's why I'm such a big proponent in frameworks and really um, legally protecting your brand in that way, because those are the things that are going to make you stand out and get a lot of momentum really quickly. But it can be super scary to do because we think we're doing it the wrong way. Yeah, totally. And so when your clients come to you, what are some of the first steps that you take to help them get clear around what their way actually is and help them really tap into the way in which they want to show up? Yeah, the first thing, and this is so simple, like this is something that we overcomplicate so much as a creative industry. But the first question I always ask them is, what do you really have to say that you're not saying? Or what are you trying to say that you're sugarcoating and putting through a filter to appease people and to not piss anyone off? Like, what do you really, really have to bring to the table? And a lot of the times it's just a a form of self-censorship happening in terms of their messaging and their marketing and their language. But as far as like their frameworks, it's really just being able to observe your your own journey because most of the time you are facilitating a transformation that you've undergone. So it's really looking at the natural progression of that. Like, how did that happen? What was your approach? That's what's going to make you different is infusing your story and your own personal values into that facilitation because that's something you offer that nobody else ever could because they're not you. Yeah, I love that. And have you seen, um, has there been any, you don't have to name names, but any story or anything that really stands out to you when you look back at your clients? It's somebody who was censoring themselves, who was able to get out of that pattern and really show up. One of my very first clients, actually, she came to me in 2019 when I was first emerging in the business coaching space. And she was a career coach at the time. And what her bigger passion and bigger picture was, was course development and quality online education programs. And so we've worked together really for the past three years on and off. And she shifted from helping people edit their resumes to like paving her her own way in the online industry. So she has a course creation agency. You guys can check her out. I'll plug her dream pro. They're absolutely incredible at creating quality online content for online educators. But she found herself like circling them. My business coach and my course creator coach, my career coach. And what she really needed to do was just completely courage, boldly go into this new area, teaching what she wanted to teach, even though it wasn't already present in the space. And that can be scary to do. Oh, definitely. And so when you think about your, the way that you do things, what would you, how would you describe your own unique methodology? The heart of my business is something that I called the five figure flow process. And this is the launch and sales process that I have been first just observing from being in my marketing career. I I looked at all of these women doing like hundreds of thousand dollars in launches. And I'm like, what are the similarities? What are the common denominators? What are the foundations? You know, If all else fails, these are the things that we can default on that just practically work time and time again, no matter your industry. So I looked and I studied those things for a lot of, lot of years. And then I started to implement them in my own business, putting my own personal touch on them. And so this has created the five-figure flow process, which really, really emphasizes taking your clients on an emotional journey throughout the sales process. I think so oftentimes people are just so eager and ready to work with clients and sell their offers, but there needs to be like a foreplay element there. There needs to be curiosity being raised. We have to get people paying attention. We have to get people really emotionally invested in what's coming. So that way, when the sale is presented, 
they're already sold on you. It doesn't even matter what the program actually is. And so that's really the base of how I teach sales and launching. I love that. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your personal life. You, as you mentioned, were newly married when you entered into this process. So how did your husband feel about all of this? Was he on board from the get-go with you starting your business? Can you share a little bit more about that? My husband is a treasure. (laughs) He's just really never been someone who like prioritizes material things. Like we've always been about fulfillment and experiences. So when I wanted to quit my job, it was like, you do what you need to do. There was never any resistance or hesitation or even like doubt in my abilities, even though the decisions I was making was absolutely impacting both of us. He's always been like, you can do it. I believe you can do it. If you think it's going to make the business grow, do it. If you want to hire that mentor, do it. Like he's always been a really big advocate. So when the results quickly started to come, we were actually on a wine tour. We were on a Halloween wine tour during my first launch. And I was like drunk on the bus. We were dressed up as Meredith Gray and Derek Shepard. And I just Mm -hmm. kept like flashing him the phone, like these sales are coming in and it was raining and muddy. And I'll never forget that day because we were just like frolicking around the vineyards. Like my business is coming to life. This is really happening. So it's been, it's been a growth experience for both of us because he actually is retired from his corporate career now too, and stays home with our son. So I love that mental, that, that image of you guys on the, whatever it was, the, the tour. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm curious to know, like, I'm thinking about my first launch and I was at home stressed out of my mind, glued to my computer. Mm. So what, like, what was it? How were you able to detach from that to the extent that you got yourself on this wine tour, you were doing something social and having fun? Oh, I really appreciate this question actually, because something that I promised myself from the very beginning of my business was I was not going to compromise the things that were important to me. And I was not going to build myself a business that I needed to be glued to. So if I needed to be on my computer and pass out on the wine tour to have the launch, I didn't want the launch and I didn't want the money. And I think there's something very potent about setting those standards and beliefs and non-negotiables for yourself before the results get here, because that was, I was just never available to be tied to my computer. Like I knew I was going to figure it out. And that, that was the thing too, going back to what I said earlier, I was like, if it's not this launch, it's going to be the next launch or the next five launches, or I'm going to make it. So I don't need to stress about what's happening in the nitty gritty here. And the belief I have also adapted is the more fun I have, the more money I make. So in order to be an embodiment of that, I'm going to go drink wine and frolic in the fields, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so important because as you said earlier, you want to reflect what you teach your clients and you Mm -hmm. would never want someone to start a business that makes them miserable and takes away their entire social life or time with their family. It's, it's the exact opposite. And I felt that way before I'm like, you know, I'm working so many hours. How can I possibly tell somebody to start a business in this moment when right now it's not making me feel good and Mm. I'm exhausted and I'm burnt out. Like I can't literally, I can't honestly say to someone, Oh yeah, it's amazing to have a business (laughs) when I'm feeling like this. And so something has to change. Well, you know, when I built my business too, I think time is just like one of the greatest, like when I was building my business, I was working a 60 hour a week 
demanding job that just stole my soul essentially. So I learned to build the business and to create revenue with a very, very small percentage of time because I just didn't have it to give while I was still in that job. Yeah, that's a great point. I hear that from a lot of moms as well, that once you have a limited amount of time, that really helps you streamline things. And the truth is, you know, we're going to expand into any amount of time that we give ourselves. And so I've been practicing with that a lot as well with, you know, taking Fridays off and shortening my hours. And still I've been able to get just as much, if not more done because I've become more efficient. Yeah, it's huge. I have a four month old and that has never been truer. Wow. Yeah. So how is that the dynamic between you and your husband with, you know, obviously some of the traditional gender roles reversed in your household? Yeah. You know, I think I had to actually loosen the grip around that more than he did. Just because like when I was growing up, my mom was always like, let's check the bank accounts. Let's hoard money. Let's save money. Let's have an emergency fund, save it for a rainy day. And I've always wanted to splurge. And my husband is totally a splurger too. So I'm like, you have two people wanting to play a bigger game with money, but like my instinctual, how I was raised is to like hoard it. And so, you know, it's our money. I think that we just keep it really simple. Like we both have access to the accounts. I bought our house under like my sole salary. And so I think it also takes him being able to disregard the gender roles because it's never really bothered him. Like he was never like, I'm feeling inferior. It was always, how can we support the family and how can, how can I support your dream as my wife? And so him just being a support system and being willing to stay home and let me pursue the business, I think is a big, big key component in the whole dynamic. Because if, if there was resent or resistance, I would never ask him to give up the career. And it's definitely not the kind of vibe where it's like, oh, can I have $20? Like it's our money, it's our wealth, it's our life, it's our experience. And we're both very on board with where we are in the process. Amazing. Yeah. I were, my husband and I are the same, although he also works within my company and is a coach and he's amazing as what, what he does, but it's so impressive to see that because I've worked with just as you have, I'm sure so many women over the years where that's absolutely not the case. And it's, it's so, so sad. challenging. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really challenging, but thank you for sharing that. So I'm curious to know what is next for you and your company? What are you excited about? You know, this year is just a year of play and experimentation for us. We have done the things we have, you know, perfected the conversion rate. We've made the offer suite, like gotten the hands dirty. And I'm just feeling a creative urge to like tamper in new offers and expand my own skill set and what I bring to the table with clients. And so, you know, month to month, it's really just playing right now, which is a really fun place to be, especially, you know, we're super busy with a baby now and, he just transitioned to being home from coming off of our maternity and paternity leave. So we're having a lot of new rhythm findings in our personal life and same thing in business, to be honest. Yeah. But what a great chapter to be in. And I love the fact that you're so in acceptance about all chapters and excited about them, right? Because how often do we just want to grow, 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 you know, keep improving every single thing. And of course we do, but like play is not a word I hear from many people. And I really admire that. Yeah. And playing with your strategy and how you work with clients, the structure of your containers, how you're launching the frequency of it. I mean, right now it's just like, I I don't know, I I feel a little bit bored. So I'm like, how do I get up and become a little bit more 
edgy creatively and strategically. And so just giving this year the outlet to do just that. Amazing. Yeah. I really admire that because it shows that you're tuning in and just putting an importance on the fact that how you feel matters within your company. Totally. So big. So where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find my Instagram at Taylor Slango. And we have a ton of resources just as far as like sales messaging launching on my website, which is alignedandambitious.co. Love it. So final question we ask all of our incredible guests here on the I Heart My Life show. What is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Just take the first step. You don't need to know the whole game plan. You don't have to know the whole roadmap. You don't even need to know what's happening next week. Just take the first step and create that momentum and it will carry you through. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here and sharing so much wisdom with us. I look forward to continuing to follow you and watch what play means to you this year and how everything evolves. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review. Because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.